Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com slash parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Hello and welcome to The Village Voice, parenting beyond discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Aaron Royer Azerland. Today, I'm talking about self-esteem, what it is and how we can help our kids develop true, solid self-esteem. First, I'll cover some statistics on self-esteem as it relates to our kids, talk about the definition, the benefits, and where self-esteem comes from. Then I will quickly share the shift in society that happened with trying to build self-esteem that went awry and what we can do to fix it, including some ways to foster a true, healthy sense of self-esteem in our kids. First, some statistics on self-esteem. Research shows that on average, girls' self-esteem peaks at age nine. Nine! As a mom of a daughter, this is truly frightening to me. But looking back at my own life, this probably held true for me personally, up until my mid-twenties. I then spent my mid-twenties and even into my early thirties working hard to turn this all around. I don't want my daughter to have to do that. I want her to have the time and the confidence to go out and do great things rather than spending those years trying to build herself up. More than twice as many girls with low self-esteem than those with healthy self-esteem engage in sex prior to ninth grade twice as many. 70% of girls struggle with low self-esteem in the areas of body image, school performance, and or peer and family relationships. 70%, seven out of 10 girls struggle with low self-esteem. 75% of girls with low self-esteem engage in negative activities such as bullying, smoking, drinking, self-harming, and or disordered eating. These are things like binging and purging or severe food restriction. While self-esteem seems to affect girls more prevalently than boys, self-esteem issues in boys have tripled from 15% to 45% in recent years. That's nearly half of all boys. These are some pretty alarming statistics that I would really like to see 
be reversed. The definition of healthy self-esteem is a realistic and appreciative view of the self. I want to draw attention to the word realistic here. Someone can believe they are a whole bag of chips with guacamole on the side. I don't know, I just made that up, but it works. But if their self-view is not realistic, then it's not true self-esteem. It's narcissism. I'll get back to that in a few minutes when I talk about the continuum of self-esteem. Self-esteem is also a faith in one's ability to handle life's challenges. So again, self-esteem is a realistic and appreciative view of the self, as well as faith in our own ability to handle life's challenges. It stems from three places. The first is mastery, which is accomplishment and effort that comes from setting and achieving goals. We set a goal and accomplish it. We master a new skill. We get self-esteem from that. The other place self-esteem comes from is a strong sense of belonging and being needed. So you can see how parents and families can have a big influence in this area. Lastly, it comes from having an effect on the world around us. This starts in infancy. When a baby gets that ball to roll or mom to smile or laugh, that's huge. Those experiences begin to shape baby's self-esteem in a very positive way. Obviously, there are many benefits to healthy self-esteem, and we all know some of them. But I'll go through them just to reiterate its importance and some areas which everyone may not be aware. People and kids with solid self-esteem gain more enjoyment from peer relationships and generally enjoy and engage well in both group and individual activities. They are more willing to try new things and rise to meet challenges. They have better self-acceptance, meaning when they don't do well at something, they can accept areas where they aren't as strong or can rise up to meet that challenge and work harder, so they are more resilient as well. They tend to be more optimistic. People with healthy self-esteem assume more responsibility and ownership of their own behaviors rather than always blaming others when things don't go well. They handle conflict better, resist negative peer pressure, and have a strong sense of industry, an I-can-do-it attitude. They have the foundation to do well both academically and socially, and actually studies show achievement scores and grades increase with increased self-esteem. Of course, positive or negative, self-esteem becomes a self-feeding cycle. If you feel good about yourself, you try new things, you learn new things, you accomplish things, and you increase your self-esteem. Of course, the opposite holds true as well. So there was a big shift that started somewhere around the mid-1980s in trying to make children feel good about themselves. Dr. Martin Seligman discusses this in his book, The Optimistic Child. This was done through a cultural shift. The idea was that if we tell kids they are good and smart, they will feel good. Give everyone a trophy. Some schools even went so far as to get rid of the National Honor Society so some kids wouldn't feel left out. But this idea has failed miserably. It has backfired 
because children instead have tended towards developing a false or inflated sense of self, not based on abilities, skills, talents, or hard work, but based on just being in the world. In the goal to build higher self-esteem, modern society has ended up working against its own best interest by taking away a lot of these components that build true self-esteem. I think things have started to shift back slightly, but we still have a lot of work to do. Not everyone is going to be good at everything, and that's okay. But it also has to be okay to get recognition in areas where we do well and where we work hard. I also think part of the problem is some areas of intelligence or skill are valued higher than others. But that's a talk for another episode. The basic point here is that self-esteem has to be built, and a lot of it has to come from the individual. We can support and give opportunities, but it has to be earned. We can't fill our kids up with it. It just can't be given. Before I get into some of the many ways to foster positive self-esteem in kids, I'm going to talk about one last piece that is important to understand to have the entire picture and that is the continuum of self-esteem. We tend to think of low self-esteem as bad and high as good, but actually there is also inflated self-esteem like I just mentioned, which you can probably already see has just as many negatives as low self-esteem. So let me walk you through the areas of each of these, starting with definitions. The definition of low self-esteem is a low or deflated sense of self. For healthy self-esteem, it's a realistic and positive self-view, and inflated self-esteem is a view of self-importance. There is also a difference in self-talk for each of these. Someone with low self-esteem often tells himself, I'm stupid, I can't do anything right, or nobody likes me. Someone with healthy self-esteem may think, I work hard and I have skills to show for it. While someone with inflated self-esteem tends to think along the lines of, I'm better than everyone else. I am awesome regardless of what I do. There was an incident that came out about a year ago where the youngest Hilton threw a fit on a flight, calling the passengers peasants along with some profanity and allegedly exclaiming, my father will pay this out. He has done it before. Dad paid $300,000 last time. This is a perfect example of that overinflated sense of self that leads to narcissism. There's also a difference in focus between low, healthy, and inflated self-esteem. Someone with low self-esteem will tend to focus on not making mistakes. They're afraid to make mistakes because they feel it reflects on them personally. It's a personal flaw. There's a fear of trying new things. Someone with healthy self-esteem will focus on growth and improvement, while a person with inflated sense of self will focus on winning, staying on top, and being right. You might already be able to see how this whole picture is starting to play out. In regards to the cultural shift I mentioned, you can probably see how the effort of trying to stuff kids with self-esteem, with, you're so great, I'm so proud of you, for every little thing, or 
here's your sticker for listening, here's your trophy for showing up, has resulted in a generation of kids, now adults, with an overinflated sense of self. There's a big important piece to this on encouragement versus praise, or what some psychologists also call descriptive praise versus evaluative praise. But we'll run out of time and I want to get to some ideas for fostering healthy self-esteem as well as get to answers for some of our parents' questions from this week. Now, I do have a blog post on this on the website called Encouragement versus Praise. So you can find that under yourvillageonline.com blog and search for Encouragement versus Praise. I also have a podcast coming in the next couple of weeks where I will cover this topic. So I know we have parents with a vast range of ages of kids from infants all the way through teens. While there are lots of ways to support self-esteem at every age, I'm going to brush the surface, but hit on some ideas for each age, so we are sure to have something for everyone. For kids of all ages, and even for adults, having a sense of belonging and being needed builds self-esteem. This means things like unconditional love. I love you no matter what. This doesn't mean we always approve of our child's behavior or that bad behavior or choices are okay. But when our kids do mess up, the message we want to send is the child is good, but the behavior needs work. Whenever I get mad at my kids or frustrated or we sit and have a coaching session about their behavior, I always, always close with I love you. I tell them, Even when I'm mad or disappointed, I still love you. Then we work on helping the child make better choices. I talk a lot about this in my discipline classes, how to discipline for the behavior and maintain the relationship. You want to maintain that relationship. It's important not just for self-esteem, but for maintaining a positive influence on your kids for years to come. Another important one for all ages is to allow room for mistakes. Albert Einstein said, anyone who has never made a mistake has never tried anything new. Kids make lots of mistakes, but allow them to make them. It's tough to permit your three-year-old to pour his own milk when you know he is sure to make a mess. But grit your teeth and do it. He'll feel great for having tried just so long as you don't overreact when he gets less than a perfect result. When mistakes happen, explain and discuss or coach rather than shaming. Allow your child to share what he could do next time. If he doesn't know, then you can share your thoughts. Recognizing mistakes as opportunities to do better next time. I'm going to say that again. It's important to recognize mistakes as opportunities to do better the next time. Otherwise, your child will become afraid to make mistakes and therefore pull back from challenging himself in the future. Like I discussed, being open to challenges builds self-esteem, so we want to keep this alive. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. 
My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories, including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best-dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. When it comes to infants and early toddlers, as I already mentioned, having that effect on the world is huge. They love to move the rattle and make the sound, crinkle the toy that makes that noise, roll the ball, make you laugh or smile. So give lots of opportunities for this, to connect with you and to get reactions from you as well as play with all of those amazing infant and toddler toys out there. Soon, they are driven to sit and crawl and walk, which does two things for self-esteem. It creates the sense of accomplishment and gives that many more opportunities to have an effect on the world. Now for toddlers and preschoolers, and this would be around the age of 18 months through four years of age, in general, self-esteem is based on how the child expects to be accepted and valued by adults and peers. It's what we call social connectedness. They are learning to play well, how to have a good experience with their peers and family. So toddler-proof your house. Anything you don't want your toddler to have or play with or touch or have a temper tantrum over, toddler-proof for that. 
The reason is toddlers are natural scientists and explorers. They want to explore. They have to explore. So besides being exhausting for the parent, if a toddler hears no and don't and stop all day long, it can begin to work against the development of that healthy self-esteem. Support healthy risk-taking in your toddler and trying new things. If your child is a climber, take her to the park with the area that is safe for younger kids to explore climbing. Set and teach limits. This comes in with curbing overindulgence and that sense of entitlement that goes along with the overinflated sense of self. So if you don't want your child climbing onto that kitchen counter or the table, set that limit and use positive discipline. Coach, give choices. You could say something like, you may climb on your step stool or on your climber outside. Then if he doesn't comply, which most likely he will not, then you can set a consequence of removing the means of climbing or that you will have to put the baby gate up and he will have to stay in the other room while you finish cooking or whatever the situation may be. If you need more guidance for positive discipline, you can see the classes on our website, yourvillageonline.com. For elementary age kids, this is ages 5 to 10, take an interest in their interests. Ask questions about your child's interests such as, what is your favorite dinosaur, your favorite planet, your favorite art medium, or whatever? Or, tell me what you like about art, music, soccer, space, whatever their interest may be. Get her into art, dance, or whatever class if she asks or shows an interest or aptitude. My oldest son is a complete Star Wars fanatic. He wanted to start a Star Wars club and asked if I wanted to join. What could I say? Of course I said yes. He brought a sign-up form complete with questionnaire that I had to fill out and sign. I mean, I like Star Wars and all, but I wouldn't have chosen to join a club. But I did it with a happy heart because he was so excited about it and he put so much effort into the form. I had to share my area of interest in the club on the form, so I put down trivia. So now we ask each other Star Wars trivia questions. I know way more about Star Wars than I ever wanted to know. Have expectations and responsibilities. This covers two areas of self-esteem. We need to teach our kids that they are expected to be contributing family members. So this covers the being needed piece. Our kids should feel like this place couldn't get along without me. I do so much. And the second thing is it curbs that entitlement piece. You don't get something for nothing. We all pitch in and help. It can teach that privileges are earned in whatever ways you decide to set these up for your family. Encourage your child in all areas, academics, physical endeavors, the arts. Help your child find his or her gifts. But also be sure to do it with honesty. Don't placate. Kids know when you're patronizing. If the throw stinks, Don't tell your child it was awesome. Give constructive criticism. Encourage him to keep working on it. For kids of middle school age, around 11 to 13, self-doubt is common at this age. So setting unreasonable goals that lead to failure can have a lasting impact. So supporting self-esteem for kids in this age group is about helping kids navigate this. 
Help your child set reasonable goals. You know your child better than anyone. You know how persistent she is or is not. But if you see your child setting very high goals that you think could backfire, have a discussion and help her pull back or set smaller intermediate goals for increased chance of success. Set limits and make sure they are reasonable and are changing and loosening as your child grows. Be open to conversations about whether or not these limits are reasonable or if they need to change as he shows that he can be more responsible. Encourage problem solving. This means you don't want to rescue. If your child forgets her book at school she needed for homework, have her problem solve ways to fix this. Can she borrow the book from a friend? Can she get to school early the next day? Or turn it in late for less credit? If your son forgets to take his lunch, he can problem solve. You may be thinking, what does this have to do with self-esteem? Where it builds self-esteem is the problem solving, the independence, the I can do this on my own. I can figure this out. If you constantly rescue, your child becomes more dependent and reliant on you rather than less. Now for high school kids ages 14 to 18, continue to set limits, making sure they are reasonable and being open to conversations about whether or not the limits are appropriate and be willing to loosen them if your child shows he is responsible. Use mistakes for teaching. Mistakes are an opportunity for teaching how to make better choices. Sometimes the mistake may provide an opportunity for learning for both of you. Make it more of a conversation rather than a lecture. Ask how he feels. Share how you feel. Ask what he learned. What would he do differently next time? It doesn't mean that there's no consequence. You can still give a consequence. Or there may even be an outside consequence that comes down from the school or the legal system. If you feel a consequence at home is appropriate, your teen may even be able to help come up with a fitting one. These are only a few of the many, many ways I share about fostering healthy self-esteem through the ages. I have so many, I had to divide it into two classes, one for children zero to five and one for kids five plus. I also share more on the development of self-esteem by age and then a lot more ideas and ways to support self-esteem. So if you're interested in learning more, you can see that class on our website. Now for two of the parenting questions that came in this week. Brenda asks, my six-year-old son seems to fall apart quite easily. Like when his best friend just couldn't play the other day, he just fell to pieces. I kept hoping he would grow out of it, but I feel like he's not very resilient. What can I do to help him? Well, Brenda, this is a great question. It could be long and involved answer and without knowing your son's reactions day to day. I only have a very small piece of the puzzle, but I'll do my best to answer as completely as I can. Since you said you were hoping he would grow out of it, I'm going to assume this has been his pattern for most, if not all of his life so far, and that it's not due to any big changes or stressors going on in his life. So first, I'll say that it sounds like your son may fall on the higher end of the spectrum for the temperament type called feelings aware. In general, this temperament trait is the level of awareness of feelings for both self and others. A child who is high in feelings awareness has most or all of the following traits. And I want you to listen to these and see if these fit your son's personality. 
And if so, I'm going to give you some ideas of how to help him with this. So the traits are children who are high in feeling aware are very caring and sympathetic. They can use words to tell how they feel. They tend to act on feelings rather than thinking things through. They easily get their feelings hurt and they're sensitive to the feelings of others, including characters in books and movies and television shows. And they have a stronger emotional reaction to music than people who are moderate to less feelings aware. So if this sounds like your son, there are some things you can do to help him learn to regulate his emotions. Now, I don't want to sound like being very emotional and sensitive is bad. It is not. It is a wonderful trait. But for kids like this, they do need to learn how to look at things logically as well as emotionally. So regardless of the source of his reactions, be they from being highly feelings aware or a lack of resilience or both, it's important to allow his feelings and use a lot of empathy. He would say something like, I understand you're feeling very sad that your friend can't play right now. You want to connect with his emotion and you want to give him words to connect that emotion. Frustrated, sad, disappointed. Help him connect those words, which will help increase the way he sees feelings in a logical way. Now, if you're totally recognizing your son in this description I gave, here are some things you can do if you find he is reacting emotionally quite frequently. Help him slow down and think through the good and bad of different actions, reactions, and choices, rather than only responding emotionally. These are especially important if he tends to throw things or storm off. You will have to do a lot of coaching at first for different options, such as offering yourself as a sounding board so he can share his feelings of disappointment. Then help him problem solve something else he can do, such as find a different friend to play with or finding an activity he enjoys doing on his own. Also remember that your highly feeling child is easily influenced by the feelings of others. So while empathy is good, try to keep your frustrations with his reactions or two situations moderate to low. If you recognize your son in the description of the high feelings aware, I recommend you check out the class on temperament as I give lots of ways to help work on this in lots of different areas from school to home to discipline. Now I'll touch on the resilience piece in case this is the area where he might be struggling or maybe in addition to the feelings awareness. Resilience is the ability to bounce back from life's disappointments. Resilience plays a big part in self-esteem as those low in resilience back down from life's challenges and don't try new things and therefore don't set goals or grow in the accomplishments and skills like those higher in resilience. So now I'm going to give some examples of how someone who's low in resilience might react and see if you feel like this fits the bill. Does he give up easily on tasks, be they chores or sports or schoolwork? Do you hear negative self-talk such as, this is too hard, I can't do this, or I'm bad at fill in the blank? Then it is a resiliency issue. Some things you can do to increase resilience would include giving him small challenges that are just at or slightly stretch his current abilities, be it a puzzle, a physical endeavor like rock climbing or swim lessons, a book to read, anything that can give him practice at working towards a goal and completing it, which builds that accomplishment piece of self-esteem. Give positive feedback in the form of encouragement when he does complete something new. You kept working on the puzzle until you finished. 
or you studied until you learned all the spelling words. That shows commitment. You went all the way across the monkey bars without stopping. You've never done that before. Give him lots of opportunities to practice setting goals and reaching accomplishments. Now, our next question comes from Sarah in Texas. Sarah says, my seven-year-old daughter has never been particularly outgoing or boisterous, but she's always been very kind and friendly. She had a good friend from first grade who now is hanging out with another girl a lot and doesn't seem very interested in playing with Mila anymore. Mila actually says they are mean to her and it hurts her feelings. It really seems to be hurting her self-esteem. She gets lots of positive attention from us at home, but I don't have control over her friends at school. Would this be considered bullying? I don't know what to do. So Sarah, first, I'm really sorry to hear your daughter is going through this. I get questions very similar to yours frequently. This is a very tough area of parenting because there's a lot of areas where we don't have control over these situations. But I do have some good answers for you that can really help you and your daughter feel better. First, it is very common for kids in elementary school to have what we call serial friendships or serial best friends. But it does suck when you are the one who's left, when the other one has moved on. So it may or may not be bullying. And my guess is, given the information you shared, that it is most likely not. But the first thing you want to do is ask your daughter how these girls are being mean. Don't give any leading answers or questions. Just ask open-ended questions such as, tell me more about that. How are they mean to you? How do they hurt your feelings? My guess is that it's simply by feeling left out and not necessarily any outward nastiness. Rather, this is a new friendship these two girls want to explore. So you will want to explain to Mila that her friend has found someone that she's interested in getting to know right now. She may or may not come back to playing with your daughter more, but right now, this is the way it is. Allow and support her feelings around that loss. But also help her problem solve finding a new friend or two that she can build a friendship with. Ask her to think of the other kids in her class who might have similar interests to her own and offer to invite them over or meet them out and help support her to facilitate these new friendships. Now, if they are name-calling or telling her they don't like her and or are making derogatory statements about her, and it is repeated, then it does fall under the bullying category, in which case you will want to begin working with the school. And I highly recommend our bullying class so you can get lots of ideas on how to help your daughter both at home and through the school if it is actually a bullying problem. In our next episode, I'll be covering the basics of one of the biggest struggles for parents of younger kids, and that is tantrums. I'll be covering the two different types of tantrums, and sometimes even older kids will throw tantrums. And if this is the case, this will be a great episode to tune into. If you would like to submit a question for that episode or other future episodes, you can send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. You can also see what topics we have coming up by visiting our podcast page on our site, yourvillageonline.com slash podcast. If you're loving what you're hearing on our podcast, please let us know by giving us a great review and also subscribing to our channel. If there is something you think we can do better or a topic you would really like to hear about, please send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in today, and I look forward to seeing you next time.